everyone, welcome to the Rangers Review Podcast. Rangers are champions of Scotland. My name's Stephen Clifford from Four Lads of the Dream. Joining us to celebrate what has been a fantastic season so far for the club, the overlord himself, heart and heart's finest, David Edgar. I thought you underplayed that there, Stephen, and I do admire the the sort of Presbyterianness of your, you know, you're you're from up north, and and people take that Calvinism seriously up there. But um, I think you should have went more for something like Rangers are the champions of Scotland. Well, I was going to sing, but I'm going to leave that slightly for a wee bit. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> I've got a bus ticket. <laughs> also joining us is YouTube sensation and Ryan Jack's best pal, Mr. CJ Nola. <laughs> What's happening, lads? Hello, hello. And delighted to say also back with us is this is Ibrooks, Tommy McIntyre. Tommy, how are you? I am very well. Obviously, just a, a glory hunter coming back in for uh, for for fifty five celebrations, but uh, I glad to be back. Also making a guest appearance from the Just As Tim's podcast is Francis and CFC. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one is, is... I know that they, they have two ladies, and, and yeah, so it's wonderful, um, but is she the one with the eyebrows or the the one with the cigarette and the um, children randomly appearing in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wanted to take that answer on there for a second. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, a, in a season of highlights, uh, that has certainly that has certainly entered the lexicon. I just love the fact that it used to be called the Ten in a Row Podcast, and I did the channel change it. Uh, That's but phenomenal. That, but now it is literally just us, Tim's, because uh, there's there's no trophy or or anything for which to <laughs> in which they can comfort themselves with. I like the uh, intro. Welcome, welcome to the backpedaling episode. Uh, yes. Everybody's here for nine and a bit, or oh, it's eight and a bit. Oh, everybody just shut down. It's actually funny because it it, it did make me think about just as a wee aside before we, we get kicked off about the difference between our nine and their nine. Um, this time. Now, there's always going to be the argument because there'll be three nine in a row. So there's always going to be the argument which one is the best one, right? Now, the the first Celtic one. You had to play. There were twenty teams in the Premier League or the top division, Division One at the time. So you you did only have to play two old firm matches. You only had to play Aberdeen twice, Hibs twice, right? Our nine in a row, you had to play four times. And this one, Celtic didn't have to play anybody for five years of their nine in a row. So it's clearly ours. I don't think that's up for debate. <laughs> I don't too much just, sense, I think. Yeah, just to add to that, I think it's the narrative round about it as well. So if you take, let's say, our most recent nine in a row, that was a wholly positive experience. Everybody looks back on that fondly, and then at the end they go, oh, it would have been great to have gotten 10 as well. Yeah. Whereas Celtic fans, by and large, their club, because of their expectations and their belief that everything was in the bag, they can look back at that with nothing but a sense of negativity. It's not about their nine. It's about the fact they didn't get the 10 that they fully expected. That makes me massively, massively happy every time my thoughts turn to it. Although I did once of an argument with David Murray when he said to me, you know, I, I, he basically was moaning that he didn't feel he got enough credit. And he said, you know, I was the man that delivered nine in a row. And I said, yeah, but a lot. I said to him, yeah, but a lot is you're the guy who buggered up the 10. Um, <laughs> that, that didn't go down well. But no, the difference was, you're right. I mean, you even think of the song, which we used to sing was nine in a row, one more to go. You know, we always saw it as 
you ain't there till you're there. Whereas, of course, they've been singing about 10 in a row since 2013. So, um, But at least this season, one of the really good things is we've given them plenty of time this season to get their heads around, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, the, the, somebody asked me last week, when did you, you think, and I think, you know, Stevie, I think, will testify to this when we talk in the summer. We both felt with a shout here. You know, the, the, both of us, I think, naturally optimistic people anyway. And we both kind of said, no, I, I reckon we'll, we can do this. But the day I knew, I absolutely knew. And uh, people have said January the 2nd, and, and certainly that was, you know, a key event. But for me, it was Motherwell. It was yeah, that 3-1. On. And yeah. I just thought, nah. And the great thing about this side is that it's had opportunities to make a mess of it. It's had opportunities where it could have made it tighter, where it could have dropped points, where it, it had an excuse, if you like. It, it could have gone wrong, and it hasn't taken any of them. And I think that's remarkable. Mm. So let's kick this off then. David, the last week has been full of sensational highs. Um, journey back to last week. Your experiences and just the whole emotion of it all. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the emotion of it. Not that's not, that, that that's not right. I, I wasn't surprised that it was a very emotional experience. I think the type of emotion, because it was something that I've never felt before, and I think speaking to bears, that has been a that that's been a fairly universal theme. And the reason for that, I think, is that there isn't a guidebook on this. No club has come back from what we've come back from has gone through what we've gone through not even ours not even in the storied almost 150 year history of the club have we had an experience like we'd had so even though you know i'd, I'd watched rangers win a lot of titles a lot of important titles some of them in spectacular ways of course you know when you think 2003 2005 but I, i'd never i'd never felt that and and all the mental preparation that you'd done for it Went out the window, I think, mm-hmm. when it happened, and and I, I again, you know, something that that you know we all discussed, and I think was clear. And there was this feeling among Rangers fans that we were going to win it last weekend. Yeah. I, I I believed we were. I don't know why. I I just had this feeling, and it it was again, you know, something that was shared among many Rangers supporters. But even so, even you know the Saturday and the, you, you saw the celebrations from the players because at that point it was done. You know, Celtic could only equal our points totally. Everybody knew that it was it was done. But but still, the last yeah, I, I you guys know me, I'm a late sleeper. I I, I wasn't up until half time of the the, the Celtic and the United game. And I wasn't really paying it much attention. But then when it became clear and you know the the phone starts going and people and because I'm ridiculously stupidly superstitious, I couldn't turn it on. So I'm sitting there basically just getting it. How, how daft is this? I'm sitting there shouting at people, come on, what's happening? When I could literally <laughs> press a button on the remote that's in my hand and watch what's happening, but I couldn't do it because of superstition. When the final whistle went, and then I, I, for about two, three days, um, I experienced this this range of emotion and just the look on people's faces and, you know, with various Zoom calls and FaceTimes and, you know, spoke to my dad and, and, and it was like like nothing I've ever experienced. One of the things that will always stay with me is I live in Kawinning, which is a fairly staunch little part of the world, right? And I knew the final whistle had gone at Tanadice. 
because immediately outside it sounded like the fucking Tet Offensive, and uh, that there must have been about four percent of the fireworks made in the world were just detonated here, uh, and I think probably about ninety eight percent of the fireworks sold in the world were detonated across Scotland that evening. It was. It was like nothing else, and then you know, even now a week later, I'm sitting here and I'm going, "You know, we're the champions," and and the buzz will take a long time before it before it diminishes. Tommy, part of the, the joy of of what happened was Saturday night and seeing the, the footage of the the players in the dressing room, the dancing, the music, the Klinsman slides. I think on Saturday night was as good a time on social media as I've ever experienced it as a as a Rangers fan and, and four lads in the last few years, etc. How were you feeling on the Saturday night? Because I think there was, as David says, there was rightly a, a kind of feeling that the, the league was won and, and overall that Celtic weren't going to win the next day. Talk us through your emotion. Yeah, well, there's a lot, a lot to unpack there. If somebody would have come to me and said, "Listen, you're going to be watching videos of Stephen Gerrard sliding Klinsman style across the uh, Ibox first stream dressing room floor at some point, having just essentially, you know, booked, bookended the title," I, I'm not entirely convinced I would have believed them a couple of a couple of years back, or I certainly asked for a case of what they were drinking. But in terms of the Twitter atmosphere, it. Probably for Rangers fans, it, it beat the Casper and Ryan Kent night uh, for its uh, for its hilarity and, and some of the stories. But in terms of the, the feelings that were washing through, there was the there was the overarching feeling that this was this was us. We we'd got there, and Celtic, you know, by and large, would either drop points the the next day, or indeed we would get the opportunity to thump them in their own back garden. And you know, I do hold a little bit of sense of I would have enjoyed some of that in terms of winning the title there as well because I'm a nostalgic man and I like uh, probably too much I like uh, Neil Neil McCann and I would love to have relived some of those moments but in terms of some of the other feelings I was talking to some other people and some friends different parts of the, the country different parts of the uh, the world actually and things like Zoom calls and I was trying to get over to them that when they were looking at it from the outside and they'll say, well, 10 years, that's a long time for such a massive institutional club not to have won something serious and not to have won the you know, home title, so to speak. I say, no, you, you completely miss that. You can't put a, a date range on this because it doesn't tell the full story. The, the story of how this title has been won and been subject to all the legacies off the pitch. So you had debasement of a club, the degradation of standards, the almost institutional countrywide attacks on not only the club, but also the support that were behind it, the demonisation of all that, this illegitimacy that the club should ever be in existence, the wearing away of the the fabric of history and, um, well, legitimacy again that the club had, the constant attacks, the sneering, the be told that we would never get anywhere again, and the coalescence round about the belief of, of the fans and, and the right people who came into the club that actually if we just stand on the walls together we can repel all these attacks long enough that we can sort ourselves internally we can stop some of the self-inflicted humiliation by some of the carpet baggers and snake oil salesmen who came along and pretended that they understood what rangers and what red white and blue meant um, and said all the right sound bites if we just weathered the storm long enough this ship is so big and so beloved that it will self-right. 
and with the right people in the right places and the right actors and the support of the club coming back on, that's happened. No one who I think is outside the club or outside the support will ever fully understand what it means to have lived through that entire decade and had to take all that burden and then finally come out the back end with the silverware. And those were the emotions, um, you're probably still feeling them, you can probably hear that in my, in my voice and my terminology, but those were the feelings that were washing through me when I was talking to people who were either inside the tent at the range of support or outside it. To get to the final stage and be able to say, that's it, it's, it's done, and now we look forward. We have bookmarked the past and we've bookmarked it in the only way that Rangers were ever going to do it, which is with a nice big silver bookmark. The rest of the country can pretty much suck that up and live with it. Yeah, you've taken a bit of a battering for the last God knows how long online on social media and you, you've kept coming back and finally we got to see that big smile and do not only revelling in the fact that you are now Ryan Jack's um, PlayStation best pal <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk us through it I mean, Rangers are champions and, and you are, you know Ryan Jack's best pal <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure what we're best pals, mate. But I, the the emotion being able to put that video on, I, I think I was like, I took like about seven or eight hours to actually put the video up, um, and that probably just tells you the emotions and that that was actually gone through the actual video. Because I think we were just all celebrating, like everyone was saying so far. It was phone calls, it was family, it was talking to everyone, and then being able to go and do that again with the connection that we built online or on the YouTube channel was absolutely brilliant as well. Because it was almost like we got, I got to experience it all again seeing the comments coming in and that was amazing so that was really lucky but like you said there it's been hard over the last couple of years we've had some absolute stinking times but being able to edit that thumbnail do that smile that's going to stay me for a very long time it's very special CG let's just journey back obviously last time we recorded this we were um, we had just beaten I think and, and things were looking quite nice mm-hmm. okay run of form where we're beating St Johnston in a tight match with Yanis Hadji's goal drawn at Hamilton then beat um, Kilmarnock for a Ryan Jack by a really special goal Brilliant, yeah. taking us obviously to Dundee United where the, the form has started to pick up which has coincided with the return of Alfredo Morelos and things like that mm-hmm. I've showed you know, some good form over that time but in that there's been some amazing individual performances when you look back over the, the, the last month or so, is there anybody that's really stuck out for you? Uh, well, I think it, it's good that there's actually a conversation and I'm sure people will come up with different answers. But I think one guy that just pops to my mind right away is Alfredo Morelos, if I'm being honest with you. Because I think we we kind of talked about this over the last couple of months and everything like that, the, the kind of hit and miss of some aspects of his game because he wasn't scoring as many goals. And we could see what was trying to happen, the playmaking. We, were, we could see it was trying to come into place, but it was actually something David said, and I think it was in two two months ago, if Morelos can take his build-up play and then bring in his goal-scoring exploit in the second half of the season, look fucking out. I think that's exactly what you say, David, and I think that's happened to a T, and Morelos has just been absolutely sensational, and not even in the league. Um, you're looking at European as well. He's involved in seven of the eight, uh, sorry, what was it, eight of the nine goals that we scored in Europe over and it's basically two games that's absolutely frightening and he's obviously been involved in 27 goals in 36 games this season it's no bad for someone who's apparently been pish 
Yeah, I mean, that's that was the thing about Morelos that we said, you know, all season. And Rangers fans said this. I think it yeah. was ill-informed nonsense in the media. That, look, we know he's not scoring, but the team is, and he's part of that. And yeah. it, you you didn't watch a Rangers game and think Morelos is, is struggling. You could tell at times he's finishing, he lacked a wee bit of confidence. I remember there was a miss against St Johnston. It didn't really yeah, matter. We were 3-0 up at the time. And you just thought, mm. but then a few days later we played St Mirren and he did get a chance and it mattered. It was 0-0 at the time, or, or 1-0 I think it was at the time, and he put it away. Um, and that, that had been the story of his season. He was contributing, he was playing a different role. We had different players. Rangers were one-dimensional last season, there's no doubt about it, in that although we were capable of playing very good football, if he wasn't finishing it off, nobody was. And that hasn't been the case this season. But you just knew that the type of character he is. Yeah. He's such an ebullient, wee, uh, uh, you know, effervescent type of footballer that you just knew that he's too good not to start scoring goals again. So I was always confident it would come, and and you know he timed it absolutely brilliantly. Some of his performances recently, the goal against um, the, the the goal last week against Saint Mirren, mm-hmm. it won't get as much credit as it deserves because. It was such a good finish. He can only put it there, and it's difficult to put it there. And yeah. he does it on the spin, not looking across the goal. Not He doesn't need to take a look. He just knows where he wants to put it. Uh, and he put it past, incidentally, an inspired goalkeeper that day. Jack Anik had a great game, and it was actually yeah. a very good season, yeah. Um, but that has been Morelos for me to a team. That he'll always provide you with that, that, that spark. And when he's like this, when he's you know confident and happy, um, he's he's just almost <laughs> you know, unplayable at times. And and we have seen matches like this recently where we've said he has been unplayable. Europe in particular, oh the God, game against that. Antwerp, the, the you know both legs, but the second leg in particular, you wouldn't trade him because no. you know he he leads the line. He battered that defense. He was a goal threat. He was involved in the goals. He was alive to the situations. Uh, and also the link-up play and the, the combination play between the front three. We are a different team to last season. I know a lot of the names are the same. Um, and it might be the... I mean, Roof was a big signing, but the rest were all you know, sensible signings that yeah. you would expect a team to make. Um, but it was more about the jigsaw effect. And I think that the biggest thing for me this season is that if player A wasn't scoring, players B and C stood up. If they weren't scoring, players D and E stood up. If they weren't scoring, players A and C would come back and stand up. And that has been the difference this season for me. Uh, even if you just look at his stats as well, he's got 15 goals, but he's got 12 assists. So that's similar kind of output in terms of if you look at how many goals he scored last season. But the assists really they make the difference in these games because we are not one-dimensional anymore. And that's a sensational output for a player that's only played 36 games to have 15 goals and 12 assists. And I just think like he's really came into stride at the right time. And even in our most recent European game, when we weren't maybe at our best free-flowing-wise, how many times did he manage to wrestle and do maybe the nastier side of the game, win us a ball, win us a final free kick that obviously got us a goal in the game and all that as well. He's been absolutely vital and nobody's been able to touch him over the last couple of months now. Tommy, do you think that's the biggest thing about Rangers this season in terms of what the boys were saying there? That when Alfred has obviously had a, a good last sort of four or five weeks, times of the season we've had momentous kind of run from the likes of Tavernier then you've had the, the, the steadiness of McGregor, Colton, throughout. The evolution of this team has, has finally clicked into place. 
just at the, the right time and everyone seems to have feet. Yeah, I was, I was sitting listening intently there uh, to, to the guys chatting about that and I don't think it's news to say that you you know, you know need a squad performing um, in order to win a championship. You won't do it with just individuals. Although I don't disagree with anything the guys were saying about Alfredo Morelos there. And you could, as you say, Stevie, you know, you could pick anywhere across the park and you say, well, you know, for example, uh, in the league between January and, you know, winning the title, you know, scored 21 goals in 11 games, but we only concede four, and that includes five 1-0 victories, for example. So then you're looking at guys, you know, in the defence like Conor Goldson or Balogun or Hollander. You're looking at McGregor in terms of, you know, these are the games that ultimately end, bookended the title and got us over. You know, five one nil victories in that period is is unbelievable as well. But yeah, it's a, it's an iterative point, and I think I've used that phrase before on, on lots of other you know, podcasts as well. In terms of Stephen Gerrard wasn't going to be able to come in the door with his management team and get what was by and large, a, you know, not up to standard squad over the line to win the title immediately. Right, fine, we all bought into that. They've upgraded it, they've worked on the messaging, they've got people to buy the, the narrative and they've come back with a, a superior attitude this season as well and they've adapted. And that second, that last part, that adaptation to the you know circumstances, etc., because nobody should ever buy any nonsense about you know any club being more affected by the pandemic than any other. That's just, you know, soul searching, you know, speaking to into into avoid nonsense that. But Rangers got down, understood what they were trying to achieve, the messages landed, and then, and to your point, have they peaked all at the right time? Well, they've been brought to peak, they've been brought to boil at the right time by the management team and by the structure and by the strategy. So from that perspective, this is exactly what was in the plan. And you get to iteration three and you say, you've got your peak players and you've managed to retain them, keep people like Alfredo Morelos, who you know had walked himself towards the door when it came to the legal stuff as well. But kept him, kept him happy, done all that behind the scenes work, added the right squad players who know that they're not going to play every time or every week, but who have been worked on in the, the dressing room to keep happy, not cause ructions, good senior pros like Jermaine Defoe in, in that space. And then when they come in, they've added something, the consistency and the levels haven't dropped off. And then you've got your key players who have in and out, come good, come bad. You know, Yanis Hadji has had a kind of upward trending season. There was points where he's dropped back to the bench, for example, but he's always delivering something. I still think the boy's, you know, unfairly hampered by the name sometimes that people expect, you know, a kind of scissor kick from uh, the byline going into the top corner or something like that, just purely on the basis of his of his surname. But he's come good and delivered. The short answer to your question is, this is not by chance. This is by design. And that is probably the greatest compliment you can pay Stephen Gerrard and his management team. David, Rangers are still thriving and in Europe and, and have now just added that sort of caveat to, to the season. And under Gerard, they really have been exceptional. And a side that years ago we, we may have struggled against, would have struggled against, but we're now approaching these games and we're expecting to win. We're going to these places, winning home and away and, and coming back and you know scoring a lot of goals. And then Similarly, on, on Thursday night, we went to Prague and they've got a very strong record. They've, they've just dumped Leicester out. And at no point did Rangers look out of the game. At times, you know, we may have struggled at various points, but not playing our best, arguably. But we've hung in there. We've got a very valuable away goal. We've came back and, and now it's a, a shootout to, to go through to the, the quarterfinals of the, 
of Europa League. This side are phenomenal. They don't get enough credit. This is the best in terms of consistency, the best European era in my lifetime as a Rangers fan. And that might sound, people might say, how can you say that? Well, look at the evidence. Um, I'm a you know child of the 80s and 90s and Rangers were rubbish in Europe. You would have a couple of a couple of good years here and there. You know, I think we all remember 92, well, if you're old enough, you remember 92, 93 and, and 2008. Um, but they're the anomalies. That's That's the problem. There are so many... Grasshoppers and Levski Sofias and uh, uh, you know matches such as that. Uh, it, it, so many bad Fenerbahce that Rangers would go into these ties that on paper you felt you know we've we've a chat we have a good chance here and we we would fail when it mattered and that that happened to either there were the odd big win but the difference is is with this this current squad that it's not been so much big wins as big achievements you know the first year reaching the Europa League from from qualifying with a brand new team that's exceptional second year qualifying um that's exceptional third year reaching and qualifying again to the point where you're absolutely right that uh, I was going to say that you go into these games almost expecting I don't and that is the scarring of the 90s I still <laughs> you know going into Europe thinking oh um just because it, I've seen it go wrong so often but the team don't feel that way and that's that's quite clear and the management don't feel that way um uh, and I think that the, the the really good thing uh, you know if you don't listen to this till later in the week you you'll know the, the outcome of the second leg against Slavia but going into that game I think a lot of us had almost jokingly, but still had almost sort of um, expectations lowered for that tie yeah, because the players were blittered um, at the weekend. <laughs> well, let's you know, not put too fine a point on it. The players were guttered at the weekend, right? And we've all been there. I think a lot of us um, were there over the weekend. Thankfully, I don't drink, so I'm you know fresh as a daisy, etc. But... Um, I know a lot of eminently sensible people who couldn't move on Monday. So it's uh, it wasn't, you know, surprising. And I think the fans were okay with it. They understood it. And yet you're right, they go to they go there to tough away ground and they get progressively stronger throughout the match. And they it's a one one draw. Uh, but they, you know, there was a wee sense. I had a wee sense we could have won that tonight. Admittedly, it took the best save I think most oh of us God. have ever seen. Um, to, to to do it, but but even so, it would I think uh, had Slavia got that goal, it would have been unfair. I think a draw was a fair result on the evening, and your confidence builds confidence. But the other thing about this team that's exciting, and the thing I like about it is your know, great phrase in boxing, which is steel sharpens steel, which is you know if you train with the best and you fight the best, you get better because you have to. If you've got the talent, obviously, if you're not good enough, then fine. But this Rangers team. I don't think it's coincidence that we we play our best football domestically when we're in the heart of European competition. And I don't think it is coincidental. And I'm delighted that you know to win a league, you will have periods where you're not at your best and you've got to get the 1-0s. And the Rangers team this season did it consistently, and that's brilliant. But when we've been putting threes, fours and fives by teams in Scotland, it's generally when we've been playing at that high European level as well. And I think that's great. That That's what you have to do as a side. The other thing that I really like about this, this Rangers team, and I think it's a testament to them that it was noticeable in the first half the other night when they weren't doing it, um, is that I've watched Rangers teams, better Rangers teams in terms of names, better Rangers teams in terms of money spent, wages, in, in 
you know, actual terms, not just real terms, not just historically calculated, but guys who were earning more money um, than than the guys are now. We could not hold the ball in Europe. We treated it like a hot potato. We would go into Europe and we would give, uh, you know, domestically, if we gave the ball away, we'd win it back quickly. We'd give it away in Europe and we wouldn't see it for 15 fucking minutes, right? Um, and that was always a problem. Whereas I watch these Rangers teams now go away from home in Europe and they keep the ball, they can pass the ball, their technical level is good. And that, I think, is probably the biggest thing about this Rangers side, having A, the ability, and B, the confidence to go over there. And we were playing against Lavia, a really good side. Their ability to switch the ball at pace, you know, their passing ability was tremendous. They got runners into the box, their movement was great, and it did confuse Rangers early doors, and then Rangers got a hold of it, tactically adjusted, and began to impose our game on them. And I I honestly can't think of a, a bigger tribute. And that's why whenever anybody tries to downgrade Rangers' domestic achievements this season, that look, the art, is this a good team? Is this a special team argument? The biggest piece of evidence is always Europe. Yeah. It is because that's the testing ground. That's when you can't say aye, but you know, you've got a financial advantage or aye, but you're playing you know, a, a, a much smaller teams four times a season. That goes out the window. It then just comes down to, is this a good side? And this Rangers team is. CJ, that's something I've actually been quite worried about, that this team does not get the credit it deserves, because this is enjoyable a Rangers side that I've watched in, in all my time, and having a season ticket for just over you know 20-odd years, like like David said there, European-wise, this is a, a fantastic era for the club. Individually, I think we've got some special players in the likes of Ryan Kent, Yanis Hadji, Alfredo Morelos, that I don't think we really appreciate. And I just... I'm a wee bit worried that, that people are not enjoying this for, for just how good a team we actually are. And everything that they're getting at the moment in terms of championships and, and, and European success, albeit, you know, I say success, obviously we're not in finals or anything yet, but there's no reason why this team can't go and achieve these things the way they're playing and, and the things they're doing. I'm not saying they're going to win the Europa League. That's not my point. My point is that they are, you know, we are, should enjoy this and the, the goals we've scored this season some of the team moves some of the individual goals when thinking back to Roof and, and volleys by Ryan Jack and, mm-hmm. and team moves like Alfredo Morelos's goal at Easter Road some of the saves that McGregor's made you know Celtic at New Year the one the other night we've, we've had individual and collectively magnificent team moments this team for me you know like David says like I pointed out before arguably as good as I've ever seen. Is there a concern for you that, that people aren't enjoying it as much or is it is this just me just worrying about something that doesn't exist? <laughs> well, maybe you're a bit half-half there. The, the one thing that might be actually putting you down that road there, Stevie, is still there is people trying to make excuses to why we are doing what we are doing and that really annoys me and that's what I've spent a lot of this season trying to point out and stress on the YouTube channel is nobody lost the league, we won it. And we grabbed it and we just played at a different standard. No one fell away or they threw away. No, we won the league. And what we're doing in European football is another standard. There's putting this myth to one side. Oh, Scottish football is this, Scottish football is this. No to this standard. I think you just need to look at that. And you can see European teams now with high wages, very good players, tweaking and changing their play styles to play us. And that, for me, is the biggest compliment. I mean, Galatasaray managers... 
spoke his praise that it's saying we should are a Champions League side. We've had that countless times already this season. And again, we will go to that level, I think, obviously next season. But just looking at us in every aspect, if you talk about the spine of the squad, the squad's there. You're talking about special players that can make magic at any moment. We've got that as well. Or like uh, I think David said when he was speaking of the last European game, when things weren't quite working when it isn't always flowing in the first 20 minutes we've got a team that really battles and isn't afraid to roll up their sleeves and get dirty and maybe realise that it's not going to be a perfect performance and that's rare because normally you get a team that can build up for the back and play really well but the second it starts going off they've no go that other edge and the nasty edge and that side that's willing to just go to war toe to toe and I just think this Rangers team from everything you could ask for they've given us everything this season and they've got a wee bit of everything that they need to actually be a success, and that's why they're getting what they deserve this season. It's 100% what they deserve. Tommy, some of the moments that the, the team have had overall in the, in the last month or so, even when you know we've been heading towards the, 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 at clinching the championship, as, as we spoke about before, we've had individual moments of, of brilliance with Giannis Hadji, Alfredo Morelos, Joe Rebo, and these players are now really coming to the fore. How good can this team be? That's a, that's a broad expanse of a question to walk into there. Uh, and I should probably start by saying I agree with the the guys who were talking earlier there um, a moment ago about the, the, probably the word I would use is the maturity and belief of this squad, particularly in the European arena. They don't, they don't, um, don't panic and default to, um, you know, not wanting the ball or taking, um, or losing their adapt, uh, adaptability. When they're when they're coming up against different different questions, and that's probably a really good starting point or a jumping off point to your your particular question there, which is if Rangers can continue in the trajectory that they've got, which is not just on the pitch, right? So securing the league championship, getting that first big piece of silverware over the over the line, coalescing as a team because ultimately you live or die by winning things. Belief in the management structure because it's been delivered now. The upgrading with people like Ross Wilson in, uh, in the background as well to now tear up different types of targets to get us to that CL um, or take us forward into that CL requirement as well. And some people will obviously leave the squad. We've got good assets across the pitch who can be sold at some point as well. And, you know, that nothing controversial in that, that happens. But in terms of keeping the core of the team, it's now a case of, okay, how can we add for the, the CL perspective? And can we keep developing these players? And we get, I think Rangers now put themselves in the driving seat that they get to make decisions about players leaving in terms of, you know, it's not being run by a completely by a balance sheet decision because we've got ourselves into a much, a much better space there. So if this team can take forward the belief that it's got, and it's not a, an effectual belief, it's not a, a cardboard belief, you know, we've delivered against big teams in big, tough moments, and we've got really good results both home and away in Europe, and actually that's a nuance that shouldn't be lost there, being able to do it both home and away, and being able to do the hard side of the the game and win the ability to play. I'm, I'm not a fan of cliches, right? But they've taken what would traditionally have been the best parts of British teams, i.e. hardworking, being able to cut teams open directly. They've alloyed that to technical ability in the middle and the, back, uh, the the top end of the pitch as well and the ability to unlock teams and do something magical. If you get those things together, you win things. It's, you know, kill surprise there. But if Rangers can hold on to that and add some more to it, they've got the genesis here of our, and the foundations of a really long-standing team. And probably more importantly, just to just to finalise that, they've got a management structure that has already started saying that. You know, Stephen Gerrard was completely front front-footing that when he said, "That's brilliant. 
amazing that we've got the title of the line. I'm bastardising his words there, obviously. I'm not as articulate as, uh, as Stephen Gerrard, but we've got that. Now we look forward. It's an exciting time to be a Rangers fan because it's all about building through the future. Rangers aren't in the business of winning one trophy every 10 years. The rest of the country and the rest of the league, and perhaps Europe, if we're lucky, will now be woken up to that fact. We are absolutely in the driving seat domestically. And if we carry that forward and we continue with our recruitment process, I can see he's getting a lot more good days between now and maybe, uh, well, whenever, in terms of in Europe as well. We are in a really, really strong position. David, a word for this manager. I don't need to ask you anything else. It's just... <sighs> well, no, he shouted at me the other week. Well, um, <laughs> so um, change change my opinion rapidly. No, um, he's. I, there have been times over the last few seasons where I think that people found it difficult to separate people's belief in him from his uh, status as a, a footballing icon. And by that, what I mean is, I know that certainly when, when I would say that, I, I think he's 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 the man. He, he is going to do this. People tell you, you just love him because, you know, he's you know good-looking and cool and, you know, such a, a famous name and he brings a lot of eyes on to the club. And I was like, well, all of that helps. But, no, I actually think what he's building is pretty good here. And I think he... He was always about attitude. It was always, you know, talent, obviously. But the reason he got the job, Dave King has spoken about this, was he felt he was a winner. First and foremost, he felt he could handle the pressure, in fact, thrive in it. And all of that has been true. As I get older, I look at Rangers managers who succeeded hugely. Soonest, Walter, Big Eck, even. Him. And they're maybe not, you know, they're not technical coaches in the, in the sense of, you know, being the guys who are out there doing the training every day. But that's that's kind of what we need. I, I don't think we can have a, a Marcello Bielsa, someone who is very much that type of coach, very much that type. We need somebody who who is that icon, who, who can stand there and say, I can handle this. My shoulders are broad enough. I can protect my players. I can take the expectation. And in fact, I can turn it into something that we thrive under as opposed to will under. And I, I, I don't think that's a quality that you can manufacture. I think you can learn to be a great coach. What I think in terms of being a leader, being somebody that can take the burden and the emotion that that we as fans pour onto them, then I think that that you have that or you don't. And I look at the very special men I've just named who won trophies at Rangers, and they all have it. But I think every one of us would would say that they're men who command enormous respect. And and Gerard does. I mean, he, I, I mentioned this before, but he is the type of guy that when he walks into the room, all eyes on him. There's a presence you just immediately sense it. And he is the type of guy who is focused is relentless and that word crops up a lot from Rangers players you hear them and officials actually you hear them when they're when they're talking the word relentless because that's a Gerard word that's something that he's imposed upon the club and he's put his personality all the way through the club um I honestly don't think we can at this point quite fully understand just what he's done for us yet um I think that history will will, will tell us that because for me, Graham Souness in 1986, he saved each and every Rangers fan. And Steven Gerrard has done the same because 
you remember back to just before he came in, there was no light at the end of that tunnel. Um, it just looked like an endless fucking tunnel. And we just kept trundling along and nothing ever seemed to get better. Nothing ever seemed to, to be the right track. And he came in and he got us onto it. A couple of wrong turnings, that's going to happen. But he he pulled us back. And again, it would take someone with that almost maniacal sense of self-belief. And Rangers even managed to, at times, look as though it was cracking his. We all remember hearts. And yep. that will always be the... That'll always be seen as the turning point, I think. But we we all remember that. And even this man with this incredible achievement, this incredible self-assurance and self-belief, he looked as though maybe this job was actually too big, even for him. And Christ knows where we went after that, by the way. But I think that the COVID break, you know, it, it was obviously not something any of us wanted to go through, but it did happen. And it was, how do you use it? Uh, and I think that it gave him and the staff the opportunity to take a wee step back and go, do you know what? We're not actually that far away here. We don't need to throw everything out and start again. We we need to make some changes, sure, but but let's have a chat with the existing guys here and then let's bring in a couple of players, a few players that will boost us and we're not that far away. What would have happened had the games been played last season? I don't know. What would have happened if we continued on a really poor run towards the end of the season? Would the pressure have been too much? Would he have wanted to continue? I don't know. It doesn't matter anyway. It's just a hypothetical. We know what did happen. And what happened was Rangers were able to to go away, think it all up again, and realise that the building blocks were... He had done the hard yards. He had done the hard work in terms of building something. Because remember, when he came in, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Um, and he built it from that to what it is now. And now you look at this squad. It's full of players we could sell tomorrow if we needed to. If we needed to bring in money, there are assets in that playing squad. You look at the scouting, you sort of expect good players to come through the door now because of Ross Wilson. You look at... The PR front, we're ahead on that. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but it's true, we are. Um, it, it, you look at the arse of things our opponents are making. This is a 180. This this was us a couple of years ago. We were the ones making the stupid statements in the press. We don't do that now. We were the ones reacting to what they did. We don't do that now. This, for the first time, Rangers are a 21st century club. We've finally divorced ourselves from the 90s and I understand it because the 90s was such a great time we were so successful we were at the forefront of you know, European football for a time however the, the downside of that was that too many people at the club fell in love with that period and were locked in it and it was a case of we did it like that then therefore we've got to do it like that now and we're never going to change and getting in this this team on and off the park They've finally come in and went, actually, no, that doesn't work. It was great, but it doesn't work. This is what we need to do in 2021. And we are bearing the fruits of that. And there will come a time when these people have to adapt because time never stops and the football especially never stops. But right now you get the feeling that Rangers are, for the first time in a long, long time, since the 90s, ironically, are actually in a place where we are up with the times and we are a modern club that are moving with time as opposed to trying to reverse it. Yeah, well put. It's um, I'm not going to underplay it. I, th- I think we're in a fantastic position. 
as a club and, and to have Steven Gerrard and David I I seen if you remember last year after that night at, at Hamilton and we were all despondent and I, and I said to you at the time I said if he goes in the next couple of days you know I, I'm not going to be surprised I was reminded of the blog that I did the very next day which was was attacking on, on, on the players and I said at the time that we have to stick with, with Steven Gerrard because I believed in him and I think if we ripped it up then it would have been disastrous for the club so what you've said there does echo I think you know his stature as a man and I think the way he leads us the way he deals with things and what he's done for us shouldn't ever be downplayed. I think he's got a real possibility to go on and, and build a, a real dynasty and a real himself in, in terms of manager as Rangers Football Club and when that comes in a couple of years which you know we hope doesn't but if it does come it'll mean because he's yeah we're realistic yeah but it'll mean because he's been successful at the club and we accept that so you know nothing but praise CJ for, for Steven Gerrard no I mean uh, it's, it's hard to even begin to try and put any words or try and talk what David's just said there about Stephen Gerrard, but it's, it, I think if you just go back and have a wee look at just what was really getting said or done before he walked in to where we are now, not just even in the league, but Europe as well, we were a laughing stock. We literally were. You remember the, the terrible result that we got um, against Progress, but now you look at where we are and every aspect of the club, he's like, I, I can't even put it in words how much like it obviously means to this football club, how much it means to me as well. Um, absolutely just love the guy and he just oozes class in the way he always defends the club and speaks up. Uh, these press conferences, he still control. <laughs> he used to control games of football, now he just controls press conferences just so effortlessly. And I just love that he's always got the club first in whatever he talks and whatever he says and it's showed on the part because that's why where we are now. It's because of the gaffer and his coaching stuff. Tommy, a final word on, on Stephen Gerrard and the management team? Yeah, well, I think the, the, glib, the glib way to put it would be progress to progress. Um, but, you know, adding some some flesh to that particular, those bones would be, and the guys have spoken to it already as well, so I'm not going to duplicate what they've said, but there's a, a human side to Stephen Gerrard as well, which we've been able to play through as a fan base. You know, we he, he got things wrong. He's lived that. There was difficult moments, as, as we've said, at Hearts and stuff like that. He's always been up front and forthright with the support. And we've been taking on that journey with him. Forget talking about the players for a second. He's taken the support with him the entire way. And we've seen tangible results. The fact that he's been able to come in to what is a huge job under extreme pressures, and we could argue long into the night about has any other Rangers manager ever had it so bad for it to get so good, so to speak. Speaks volumes about the, the man inside the inside the suit, so to speak. But he's been able to galvanise the support, galvanise the players, learn from his mistakes, do it all in real time in the public glare, and then deliver on top of that. And without, and this is probably the key part to it, without reducing or diluting his standards or his expectations. That's been the key part and the reason why we can now point to every large organisation, every club with the sense of history like us needs a standard bearer at some point, somebody to rally around. You know, when you know 2012 happened, we thankfully had Ali McCoist. You know, in previous days gone by with guys like Walter Smith or Sooners or any of that type of thing as well, Jock Wallace, all these people. Stephen Gerrard was the right man at the right time. And he he would, if he was here, he would say, well, my management team and my players get all the credit. Quite correct, right? 
but he's been that standard bearer and been able to rally around that particular consistent standard flag. If you get that, as he's been able to deliver it, that's why you get to a place where we're talking about a club that has stepped out of shadows that it managed to wrap itself in and is now looking at a relatively clear blue sky with a piece of silverware about to make an appearance into the trophy room and good times ahead. That's Stephen Gerrard and the management team's legacy. Good times ahead, good times delivered. Right, fuck fuck this, right, we've been nice. We started this podcast this season. (laughs) We haven't lost in the league. It's all right sitting here and going, oh, well done, Stephen Gerrard, and oh, well done, James Bisgrove and Dave King. And and it is, it's all well and good, right? But we've been polite. There's nearly 50 minutes. This is us. We did it. Yeah. We deserve the credit. I don't, want, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be, you know, grabby. And people will be sitting there saying, how can you say this, David? It's facts. It's science. And you can't argue with science, right? It's fact. Look, look, we start this podcast, Rangers never get beat and still keep... Well, okay, St. Mirren, but that was that that was a fluke. We missed a month. That must have been uh, it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. You have to keep it interesting for people or they tune off. Yeah. And there you go. Right, that was it. We said, give us something else to talk about. Thank you, lads. It was all pre-planned. Um, we knew in advance. Look, like, even when, when Stephen Davis looked as though he fucked it with the equaliser, the lads still, they got together and went, yeah. don't worry. We, we still have time to fuck this and managed yeah. it. But yeah. it, it, it has been remarkable. You kept waiting for something. I remember speaking to a friend, my friend of ours, Podder, Mark Ramsey, and it was the night before the Celtic game on January 2nd. And I said, you confident? And he went, yeah, very, you. I said, aye, aye, surprisingly. So, you know, uh, you do the joke and uh, the, the gallows humour, but I was like, yeah, I really do. And he said, the only thing that, you know, when I look at the two teams, the only thing that, that is going through my head is, is it's not very Rangers to just, you know, not cause a bit of drama. Yeah. It, 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 that's the only thing. And he said, and that's not really something you should factor into who's going to win this game. You, that's just our own historical biases as football fans, which it is. He said that, you know, it just generally we don't do thing, things smoothly. This has been you know, smoother oh, than a Spice Girl's boob. It's, it's been oh, remarkable. Geez, uh, so that was a long way round the barn for that particular. Yes. There's, there's one for Stevie. Um, this has been, I was actually going to use another another star and then I thought, no, I better, I better go Spice Girls. And it's, it's, you kept waiting for the bump in the road because we're Rangers fans and we've been through the last 10 years. And the bump in the road, we're fucking travelling through Holland here. The bump in the road just never came. And that isn't easy because it's very easy to drift off. It's very easy to lose your concentration. Yes, St Mirren, I suppose you could argue that was it. But they instantly got back on the horse. They had a series of tough games and they won the lot. The other thing I want to talk about is and I do think that's important, I want your views on this, lads. I understand over the last 10 years that there were uh, a section of Rangers fans who, for reasons of self-protection and self-mental health, and I get it when it came to the football team, became almost instinctively negative. Yeah. And that would be, who's this guy we're signing? Oh, he's bound to be shite. Right? And um, no, we're not going to do it. And the reason they did it was understandable. It was, well, if I protect myself mentally and say, no, right, or that he's rubbish or it's not going to work out, and I don't get my hopes up, then 
if I'm wrong, brilliant, I'm happy because Rangers have won something. And if I'm not wrong, I get to say, well, I told you so. I hope that we see a reduction in that now because I think that time has passed. And I, 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 I understood it, but I didn't think it was a constructive attitude. And I think that you're now allowed, and I know that we're Scottish and it's maybe not a national characteristic, I think you're allowed now to pull the hood down and enjoy the sunshine for a wee bit and to just have trust in the players, have trust in the management. They've demonstrated that they aren't going to let you down. You don't need to prepare yourself for it. You can enjoy the ride a bit. And I just hope now that this elusive trophy that we desperately needed has been delivered, that people just relax a wee bit. I get it. Horrible 10 years, but it's over. Inclined to inclined to agree with that. It's referencing the point that I was talking about coming out the shadows and stuff like that. I think I can agree with the psychology of people not wanting to get, you know, too disappointed because you know whoever was signed on a free or you know whatever wasn't wasn't sexy enough. But to your point, we've won the trophy. We've got it. It's out of the way now. We need to look forward because that's where we exist. Let everybody else and other supporters live in the past. We exist in the future which is where we're going to pick up more trophies. So I, I'm all for let's just try and get a bit of belief, if it's not already in ether, which I'm sure it is now, in the management team, in the structure, in the board, in the investment strategy, and in the transfer acumen that our club now seems to absolutely have inside its doors, which is absolutely a new a new thing, I sense. Yeah, it's, it's a really positive place, and maybe only Scottish people would start to look for the, um, for the, uh, the turd in the punch bowl, so to speak, um, but you know, let's uh, let's uh, let's concentrate on the fact that it's a really positive moment, and it's only going to get more positive. Nobody drank the punch, by the way, obviously. No, no, I think that 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 would be the issue. But it is, and I think that we have a we play a bigger part in setting the mood music around Rangers as fans than than I think that we we sometimes realise. And uh, it goes both ways, you know, the, the the way that people have felt, and at times, unfortunately, truly, that Celtic were this well-run machine and we were this um, comedy club, we have seen reversed. That That's the other way now. Yeah. And a large part of that is the perception that we are well-run and successful. Uh, and I think our fans get to enjoy that now rather than if you look for holes, you'll fall down them. You know, and I think that it's more a case now of just looking to the future in a positive sense. Um, you know, when we get back into stadiums, maybe not shouting at a player after 15 seconds because he's misplaced a pass. You know, that sort of thing. Just relax and enjoy this special team because it will change. You know, um, Liverpool were one of the best sides I think I'd seen last season. Now this season having an absolute mayor. Uh, that sometimes you're on a crest of a wave, and other times it will drop off. So enjoy it when you're you're there. We have a special team. Let's let's all just appreciate it because it won't last forever. Unfortunately, nothing ever does. A very, yeah. a very small sorry sorry, you just a very small nuance to that. Um, is that that Celtic well-run machine part? Actually, the explosion of detailed, pretty objective fan media, which we're all part of here in our separate and combined efforts, actually has it helped to set some of that mood music because it's unpicked some of the, let's say, um, PR-peddled narrative that was in the mainstream media in this particular country. People can now see past the veil and they can get a lot more direct interaction and they can pick that up without speaking to an echo chamber. That's a really key point of being able to destabilise some of that narrative that was in there that 
only one club was able to run itself well because the rest of the clubs were uh, inhabited by clowns. I mean, that, that, that's fair. That's fair, mate. I was just going to point out that the like what David was saying there about just enjoying it. I mean, the frustrations and it. I think Haji's a perfect example of that. That guy is just absolutely unbelievable at football, but every time he ever plays, I continue to see the word frustrating everywhere. He's got 19 goal contributions this season in 37 games, and he's he's not even started anywhere near the full 37. I think he's a fantastic player, and I just think that the whole thing you were kind of speaking about there and maybe even preaching about, if I can say that, David, is just enjoy what we have right now because it is special, <laughs> this Rangers team, and it's filled with special players, and it's all right. If you thought they weren't good last season or there's had sort of problems, you can let it go. Conor Goldson knew by far the best set in half. You can admit it. It's fine. We can speak about it. Yeah, it's that, fine. that's another thing. The doubling down. Um, yeah. I said this wins, so therefore I've got to stick to it. You don't. You're allowed to say, oh, I, got, I got that wrong. He improved. He, I was right then, but I'm wrong now. It's, it's okay. Nobody's going to think less of you. And I, I do think that, I think that the way that we consume media um, these days is in clip form you know, social media, etc. And we watch football in highlight form. And I think for a lot of people that the only games that they will watch are in, for a full 90 minutes are Rangers. And you'll see things like, oh, we didn't play well, we didn't create chances. You know, we had six chances in that half. Yeah. And they'll go, aye, but apart from that, and it's like, he's not going to beat his man every time. He's not yeah. going to create, a the passes aren't always going to be accurate, the, the game lasts 90 minutes and a bit, there's a reason football matches end 2-0, <laughs> you know, yeah. the goals are rare things and they don't come along that often, and I think that maybe this is something, that the game in general, that we have to realise that when you're watching your own team that patience is required it, it, it isn't FIFA and yeah. therefore, you know that because you're right, Ryan Kent's a great example of that, people say, I gave the ball away a lot I but he created two goals and scored one. I but is that enough? Yes, that is Aye. enough, mate. That's that's success. Um, he's you know, he's too inconsistent. He's really not. He's very consistent. Um, and I think that that maybe that's just a way that we consume our football now. Yeah, well, it's one of the psychological points that you know people when it comes to statistics that if you read statistics blankly. And I'm not, you know, challenging anybody on this or anybody listening or anything like that. But if you just read statistics, then it doesn't ever give you the full Never. flow of the, yeah. the narrative that's round about that. To your Ryan Kent point, the whole point is he tried ten things, eight of them didn't come off, two of them resulted in a goal. What was the end score? Two one, right? So that guy's directly led to you getting the three points. What story do you want to tell? Is the positive negative charges you're talking about there? I do think though some of that you would like to think would get stripped away and you know maybe I'm politely saying people should do more than, than just look at statistics if they want a full story and they want to comment on it but if you've got the legitimacy of a trophy in the cabinet then that ekes out another couple of percent in terms of what people should think about before they start being overly negative because I'm, I'm completely with you guys on that we do default to it sometimes but if you can say well this this person has went through that delivered and made it to the point of getting a trophy and winning the league Okay, let's just take that extra five or ten percent heartbeat before we start saying that they should be um, punted out or given a free transfer and sent out of the club. Aye, goals and assists will never explain to you or tell you what Ryan Kent does on a defensive basis as well. His work exactly. rate is absolutely ridiculous for a skillful attacking player to have his lack of ego that he's willing to run back and put challenges in and defend no matter the score or the timeline of the game. That's 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 almost. Um, 
you, you can't even buy that. You can't look out and get another Ryan Ken right away. You just can't. That, that's why that he's never out of the team. That's why exactly. when people... And, and there have been times, by the way, his form hasn't been good in an attack sense. There was one game... I can't remember exactly who it was against. There was one game in the last few months where... He just continued, uh, Motherwell away. Ah, yeah, but when he I ran the ball. He, he yeah. ran the ball at a play like four times. Yeah. And it was clearly, he, was, he knew he was having one of those days. We all have them. Yeah. When it's like, I can't do it right for doing wrong, right? And right. you could see it and it affect him throughout the game. And people say he should be dropped. And they're like, well, he won't be dropped. And it's exactly why, because of what you said there, that when he's not there, and it's something actually that, that Joe Aribo needs to get better at, yeah. Because Joe Aribo's tracking back isn't all that it should be at the moment. Um, and it's something that he'll need to improve on. Uh, and he will. And the, the, they'll be working on it. I've no doubts about that. But but Kent's shift back the way is as important. But it's interesting because I think culturally, the way we watch football in Scotland, if you look at Daniel Kandias is a great example of this, that Rangers fans really liked him. And I liked him, right? But he didn't do enough. It, mm-hmm. He, he, you know, his work rate was tremendous, the going back the way thing, absolutely no complaints whatsoever. But if you looked at his stats at the end of the season, it would maybe be things like three goals and two assists. Ah, okay. And you can't have that. That's the thing. Yeah. So you, even someone like Hadji, who there are times in a game he drives you nuts, right? Yeah. But it's not about the 19 times he gave the ball away and fell in his arse. It's about the one time he played the killer ball that got us the three points where he did the shot, you know, the goal against St. Johnson, etc. Hibs as well, yeah. You uh-huh. need those guys because when we had a team that was full of honest trials, i.e. that team in the first season, it wasn't good enough. No. Yeah. And it, there's a there's a point that as well when it <laughs> sets the scene, no matter who you're talking about, if you're in the final third, right, or you're trying to create something, your stats are always going to be in the negative, right? It's the definition of the game because everything you try is not going to come off. And that's the same as it is for a Ryan Ken and Alfredo Morelos, a Kmar Roof, a Joe Aribo, as it is for uh, Lionel Messi, uh, Luis Suarez, uh, you know, um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The amount of things they're only held up as the standard bearers because you know a slightly larger percentage of their things come off, but they're never ever going to be in the high percentages compared to what they attempt because that's not the nature of football in the final third. There's a whole stack of other guys. There to stop you doing anything. It's their job to stop. Exactly you. <laughs> what you're looking for is, and for those stats people who are sitting going, oh, those defenders have got really good stats. Yeah, so by definition, somebody else has been impacted negatively for that because that's their job. And so when you start to get into that narrative, you start to understand that what you're looking for is impactful things that do come mm-hmm. up. Yeah, and actually, very get, yeah, and to your point as well with the Daniel Candes thing, I will. I, I love an honest trial. But I want to know uh, an honest trier who at the other end of the pitch can also unlock something and deliver me the points that I need to be able to celebrate come the Brasso part of the season. Yeah. That's, that, why you, yeah. that's why you spend that, more money on uh, uh, Ryan Kent. Yeah, that, Daniel Kandias was a good signing. I mean, he was 700 grand and he did a turn for us. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But to get to the next level, that's why he's a 700 grand player and Ryan Kent's a 7 million one. He's a um, moment, moment in time player. Yeah. You know, that's exactly it. Stevie, are you still with us? Yes, I, th- I was just listening and enjoying the conversation. <laughs> are you, you going to review the podcast before we go? Eh? <laughs> I mean, I, I think, think we've done a good podcast, lads, when the host is actually just sitting back and enjoying yes, it. Yeah, I think we've done well. 
we all I was just you, thinking as well that like Candace is a bit like you know kind of Greg Doherty and, and things like that they were good for the time of where we needed to be and every everyone like that has helped us take the next step because yes. Candace led to Kent Doherty led to Aribo these kind of things so every kind of upgrade has been welcomed even if they weren't a long term upgrade of where we needed to be and that's the way I look at it likewise you know when you look over this journey of the last 10 years and where we've been it doesn't matter how insignificant the part has been played by somebody it's still massively significant overall because like Warburton, Warburton took us to the next stage, like you know Marty helping us to get to, to where we needed to be for Gerard, even if things didn't work out long term, everyone's played that small part to get us where we need to be, so there's no negativity and you know we talk about the, the positive things and, and, and where, we'd be, where we've been and there's a part of me that's just you know that doesn't feel any negativity towards anybody, and I know how it ended with Warburton and, and things like that. And it's easy to sit here as champions and and be you know and be happy and and, and think well yeah you know you are grateful for the, the the little parts that all these guys made, but that's how genuinely I feel about it. Everybody played their part in the journey, mate. Now we're actually here and we're enjoying it. So well, not not everybody. Uh, I'm still not, <laughs> well, I'm yeah, still, no, not. Yeah, no. I, I'm still not having this. You know, Ian Black, France and Daza. Thanks for your help in the journey thing. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I don't. I haven't arrived there. But but Stevie's right. It, it it's an incremental process, and you know, not not just with us. You know, Liverpool, which is obviously always going to be a thing that that, that um, Gerard's compared to. You know, it took Klopp three four years because you can't do it in one window now. There's yeah. too much money in the game, and players cost too much. So you can't go out. Not even a Chelsea or a Man City can do it in one window now. It's just not possible because football, no matter what level you're at, players cost too much, even in your, you know, your financial level, um, to be able to go out and do an advocate summer. You, ju- it's just not possible. So you've got to just keep tinkering and go right. This window we can get these two who are like long term players for us, but. You know, I'm going to need to then cut my cloth accordingly with the rest and get in, guys. So it was always a case of just constant upgrades and constantly. However, another interesting thing this season has been the form of guys who've been there. I mean, you you mentioned there, we, we've discussed this, uh, and I think CJ and I are definitely in agreement. Our player of the year is, is Conor Goldson. Yes, sir. Um, because... I think he was always a good player, but there were errors in him that he's cut out his game and his leadership skills this season have been astonishing. There's been Tav, who's been you know there for years, absolutely fantastic this season. There's been Stephen Davis, who I'll be quite honest, I did think last... When he arrived first from Southampton and he was a slow starter and people said he's finished, I didn't believe it then. I thought he just needed games and I think he showed that at the start of the following season. But then when it dropped off again, I thought... My right, this is, we're seeing a guy on the decline. He's been fantastic. This is absolutely outstanding, and you've had contributions from guys who have grown into the role as Rangers. I'm thinking, you know, Goldson, Borna Barisic is another one. Scotty Arfield's, I think, been fantastic this season. Um, at times, absolutely incredible contributions as well, and I think that that is a big part of it as well, and and maybe. That's due to the collective and it being broken down into this is your job. This is what I need from you. And people getting on board with it. But we we have had contributions from guys that, that maybe you wouldn't have thought even a year ago, especially a year ago, 
maybe had that in the locker. And I think that, you know, Ruth has been brilliant as a signing because not just about his quality and what he's done on the park, but I think he has raised standards. I think when he came into the dressing room, it's that Eric Canton, I think, at Man U. I think the rest of them looked at him and think, I want him to think I'm a good player. And they all kicked up their levels. Yeah, I think Ruth has been, as you said, it seems a signing that's a catalyst towards where we really need to be. And I think he's just raised the bar for everybody else to raise the bar. It's definitely helped people, you know, the likes of Hadji and, and even Scotty Arfield and things have, have kind of kicked on again. I definitely agree with that point, David. Even Big Balligan coming into the centre-back spot and just offering his consistency level in that as well, being able to play left centre-back, right-back, He's been a brilliant signing in the dressing room as well. Yeah, he's been he's been great. Um, Nathan Patterson as well, incidentally, oh when God. he's come in, looks, I mean, that's a serious bit of potential there. And there's a long way to go, and, and you know, obviously he had the off-the-field stuff, but um, that was just a... I, I w- that one I think we can just put down to daft boyness. Um, yeah. But I'm really excited about the potential of this kid because... He's everything that you look for in a modern fullback, and I know he had a tough time in in Slavia, but he came through it, and that that's how you learn. You know, you're never going to come in and be absolutely fantastic all the time, but he, he stuck at it and he got through it and he contributed, and um, that's brilliant because that's the next step. Can we bring through some guys? Can we bring through some talent? Um, Rangers should have the most talented Scottish kids. We've always said that, but it hasn't worked out that way. Whereas with him, you're looking at it and going, "Oh, you've got a real serious chance here." Yeah, I, I love the fact. Oh, sorry, Tom. I love the fact that um, he went through that kind of battle, like you're talking about in Europe. Where he, again, he didn't always win his indiv- individual battle. Sorry, but in the 83rd minute, when he needed to be there with that phenomenal block after they worked their way into the box, that was brilliant, and that was like him taking yep. exactly. That was strong mentally to be stay focused and stay in the game, knowing you weren't having your best game. But to be at the right place at the right time at that age is absolutely unbelievable at that level. So fair play to the lad. He definitely passed it, in my opinion. And he'll learn more from the type of games than when he's strolling it because that's going to help him along quite drastically. I mean, coming coming away just from the individual players there, the point I wanted to make was, and what we haven't seen inside that is a constant ripping up of the template and wholesale changes. You know, can't it speaks volumes to the strategy understanding from bold to the management team, Stephen Gerrard, for example, that this is an iterative upgrading of the players in key positions and then getting the rest of the messages over to them, people like Goldson, etc., bringing in young players like Patterson at the right time or Abassi or whatever. You know, this has all been part of that particular strategy. The players have thankfully delivered because they get what's expected of them and they buy into the philosophy. If you get that part right, it means that you're not having to do what we were doing, which was over the last you know, 10 years, which was just comically lurching from one vision to another. Oh, Magic, you've got a great PowerPoint you know, presentation. That sounds like the way to go. All right, great. You just happen to be in the building and we're looking for somebody. You get a shot at it as well. And we just keep ripping up the narrative and trying to get where we are. I maybe put uh, Mark Warburton to one side of that because I think there was you know, a sense of a vision there to an extent. But that's, that's what's really important. And the players are delivering on that. So this is not you know, a manager or whatever has been bailed out by the players. It's that the players have been brought into it. They've delivered what's expected of them because it's a clear strategy and understanding. I really think that's a key important point. And just to go back to something David mentioned earlier about Ian Black and Fran Sanders, because I'm very much in that camp as well, just shows that every journal, every journey has passengers. 
and uh, they were definitely some passengers on the journey at half season. No, absolutely. Gents, it's a brilliant conversation, but obviously we're weary of time. CJ, where can we find you and what for Oh, that's the line. See, you're hosting, Steve. I'm going to miss you doing your plug at the end. That's like one of my favourite things every month. I look forward to that. Oh, it's good. It's good. Well, you can find me on YouTube if you just want to, uh, if you want to subscribe. Sorry, it's CJ Novo and nine nine two. We're closing in on forty eight k, which is absolutely ridiculous to think uh, to think about. But thank you so much for all the support recently on the chat. It's been brilliant, and I there'll be a lot more smiles and a lot more laughter, and maybe some stuff um, gaming wise with other people and players. We'll see. Tommy, tell us about this is Ibro. Yeah, you can find me and the rest of the This Is Ibrooks team at uh, your YouTube channel, This Is Ibrooks, on the web, www.thisisibrooks.co.uk and at This Is Ibrooks uh, on Twitter as well. You'll find blogs, interviews, all the good stuff in there. Come and, uh, come and give us a, a subscribe. David, I, also, I always enjoy this moment. Um, so I've actually done research on Heart and Hand and, and what's going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. I know. As you just say, you don't know. So obviously we've had the, the great interview with, with Davey Weir, which you can go and find on Heart and Hand. What else can we find coming up? Well, actually, I've got an announcement because I'm actually leaving Heart and Hand to go and join Just Us Tim's. Um, <laughs> Davey they've, they've offered me a packet of those pink wafers um, that you get in Aldi and uh, uh, my own Rizzler. So I'll be heading. No, uh, yeah, on, on Heartland, there's, there's been a lot of celebratory pods, as you can imagine, 55 ske- uh, special. For those of you who used to listen to the pod when it first started, uh, there was a David and Scott show. I brought back the original gangster for uh, a little bit of that. We'll, we'll now, as we move into the summer, because the season's still going on. I think we've Believe been doing more yeah. of these review shows to, to do for crying out loud. Um, the, the European final we talk about. Soon. European the Gdansk. So yeah. um, we, you know, we still continue to to cover the season. Um, and just before we go today, can we just uh, take a wee moment to to a shout out to Walter Smith? Um, get well soon. Um, in our hearts forever. Definitely. Yeah, we all said David. Obviously, we wish Walter all the best. He's recovering from a, an operation, so all our love and thoughts go to Walter with recovery. Um, and I, I, you know, a, a good way to end it. You can also you can find myself. Um, four lads of the dream we're on twitter on instagram um, on facebook as well basically just blogging and, and talking about the club and, and sharing all, all the club news so please come and check us out and, and join us and finally just before we end this this is one for all of us to enjoy rangers have been through the mill the last 10 years and as a support we've been the brunt of everyone's jokes we've been the brunt of having to to face all the taunting for the last 10 years but this is our time Enjoy it. Don't let anybody take it away. It's our club, it's our city, and it's our trophy, and it's home. Thanks for listening.